Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Roger That podcast presented by Frenter. Today's guests are at the forefront of innovation in the industry, deeply passionate about building tools for the people building the real world, and all around great folks. It's it's us. This this podcast is a uh, behind the scenes glimpse at Frenter. What's going on and how we are turning an incredibly complex problem into easy to use software. So without further ado, Joey, want to kick things off with a quick intro. Um, not necessarily where you work. I think that one should be self-evident, but uh, what your role is here at Frenter. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my role at Frenter is uh, the vice president of business development, um, primarily responsible for all revenue generating and sales activities, um, ensuring that we're uh, staying on track with our goals, setting those goals collectively with the CRO, uh, managing the sales teams, um, developing strategies, et cetera. So, and when did you join Frenter? Um, I joined March of last year. So it's coming up on a year and a half, roughly. And, and yeah, so about, it's a year, year prior to me joining. And in, in, in my time, we've gone through a couple of evolutions. Can you kind of speak to maybe some of like where Frenter was at when you, when you came on board and sort of the evolution to where we're heading today? Yeah. Yeah. When I came on board, we, I think we had just pivoted from, it was sort of the, the creation or the, the birth of what Frenter is now, but to some extent it was in its earlier stages of evolution. We had just pivoted from a peer to peer system to a B2B structure. Um, just noting that, the market was larger and, and there was a lot more opportunity there. At that point, it was more focused on rental management. Uh, so rental management systems, or RMS. Um, and from the moment I came on, we, we started to realize the opportunities were a lot larger and there was a, there was a larger problem to solve ultimately. Um, and there was also a shorter time to value in, in relation to being able to solve that. So, we pivoted from that rental management solution position after interviewing probably about 150 people, industry leaders um, within the construction or heavy civil and equipment industry, um, which sort of indicated to us that there was a few themes that popped out essentially um, that indicated to us that there were some larger issues to solve, um, primarily uh, that of uh, equipment tracking and health or where is my equipment? What is it doing? Um, and uh, you know the management or the the management of those assets. Yeah, you mentioned kind of the discovery process um, and kind of engaging directly with the industry. I, I think any successful business discovery doesn't stop, but I think with Frenter's kind of early days, and this was a big part when I joined, um, and kind of continues to be. But can you kind of walk through what that process looked like, um, and, and also just kind of like why? we chose to prioritize that versus just kind of the old model of like build it and they will come um, and kind of speed to market. We took the time to actually chat with people. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, well, essentially the process was, it was revealed to us, you know, after the traditional struggles that you sort of go through with any startup, which is what you just mentioned, you know, build it and they will come. That's the initial assumption um, upon, you know, recognizing that there was a more structured process to it, uh, essentially what the market tells you is is uh, sort of the direction that you should be going in. So the desire or the need, the desire, the need to 
interview uh, industry experts to identify specific themes in terms of problems or, or larger issues that they were dealing with was highly important. Um, and that process is is part of a traditional product development strategy um, that we discovered along the way of falling forward. Uh, so, and that process essentially indicated or, or what it what was comprised of, I suppose, was uh, a, a tremendous amount of discovery, traditional discovery, but as opposed to it being sales led or with the intention of making sales, the conversations and the discovery questions were very much uh, more based on understanding what that problem is. So it didn't have an outcome uh, that was monetary initially. It, it, the the intent was to gather information, unbiased information, to understand what those themes might be um, and, and identify what the jobs to be done uh, ultimately were that would essentially lead to how the product was built and developed. Definitely. And I, and I think, uh, I don't know, anyone that's in the industry gets sold to day in and day out. Um, I think overcoming a bit of that hurdle of like, Hey, we're not looking to sell yet, but like just that information at that point, kind of super valuable to us during that process. Did you find with kind of, you know, the, the construction industry, the equipment rental industry, people were pretty kind of open about their time, willing to give feedback in those early days. Yeah. Yeah. They were extremely receptive. As soon as you sort of uh, set the expectation that you're, looking for their input, um, anything that positively contributes to um, streamlining the industry and, and, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a positive response, um, especially when you omit the, the sales element. Yeah. Very positive. And then you mentioned kind of on the jobs to be done side of things. And I guess that, that notion of like, when it comes from a product development standpoint, like what, what were you looking for there in the process? Like, and actually maybe we take it a step back and kind of speak to like, what do you mean by jobs to be done um, when it comes from building a product? Yeah, good question. Um, ultimately what we're looking for were themes um, to identifying the, the biggest issue to be solved and ultimately what the jobs to be done were and what jobs to be done refers to is anything that sort of, um, it, it essentially comes from the, the prospect or the person dealing with the problem. And the, it, it's sort of a, a, a representation of what they would like uh, the, the, what they would like to be solved. If that's a good explanation. So, you know, I, if, if, a, if a rental mm -hmm. coordinator who essentially manages all rentals in a, in a heavy equipment rental industry wants to have one system versus multiple systems he's handling manually, uh, you might hear the theme on a regular basis, or you might hear an overarching thing of theme of, I want to be able to manage everything in one place. Uh, and so essentially that eventually can be sort of analyzed uh, over a, da a data set that would indicate what, where the first place to start might be or where the highest level of, of importance is in terms of product development. Definitely. I think with, and sometimes I guess in the discovery process or even just chatting with people in the industry, they're pretty open about the pain points necessarily They're like, Hey, listen, I, my information's all over the place. We don't necessarily solve that pain point directly. I think it goes into that job to be done of like, okay, if your information's disorganized, what job actually solves it, that would be a central place for all your information to store, which then solves your pain point. I think it's 
important to understand that that middle step that like you you, you got to you know do a job to solve the pain not just come in and say hey we we make you more money because if if we had a product that just made people more money people would be lining up out the door um to do it but it actually has to address specific functions within their business is that Agreed. safe to say yep yeah awesome so with um with the discovery obviously our intended outcome was eventually to get into kind of building the product and sales we we aren't a research uh, company as much as we enjoy talking with people our end goal was to kind of build a product from that was there anything that stood out as i guess immediate pain points um and when we when we talked to kind of time to value of like what are the things that people need solved like before we can do anything else what were kind of some of those immediate pain points that came up <clears throat> yeah uh, what i would where i would start with that is it dep- it depends on the size of the company of course because you know there are a few different answers to that question i would say the icp or target market that we were looking at specifically what we saw was a few a few themes we saw um in a nutshell where's my equipment what is it doing and what will it do next you know and that can pertain to theft and damage pre- prevention uh it can pertain to you know where's my my equipment across multiple locations so i can manage my inventory correctly i can serve my customers better um you know i can minimize operational efficiencies um but yeah it, it effectively it was it was where is my equipment what is it doing and what will it do next? So the predictive nature of what um, it needs, what needs to happen mm-hmm. to prevent certain negative implications of not taking care of your equipment, stuff like that. Definitely. And in the later later part of this episode, I'm going to chat with the, the product team to kind of show kind of how that translates um, into some of those, those jobs to be done and what it looks like from a software um, perspective. But jumping a little bit further from those uh from the discovery calls and kind of the conversations we've been having so far is there i guess a specific direction that like you if we if we take five years to build a product and then take it to market we're you know that's a huge risk uh for any businesses to take so we're obviously taking a phased approach but do you see like a trend in those conversations of like this is what I'm willing to kind of wait for, or um, this is where Frenter can build value long-term versus those immediate pain points that we're addressing. Yeah, we see a lot of um, desire to get real-time utilization. So understanding, um, you know, what needs to be done with that piece of equipment based on certain metrics um, and then maintenance management overall. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a lack of standardization in that, in that area. Um, so I think, it's a larger problem to solve, but it's definitely the desired outcome of most of the companies we speak to, especially because it contributes so massively to their bottom line. It has a huge financial implication if it's not done correctly. So I would say that would definitely. be hands down yeah, and, the direction we should be going in. And, and you know, as as much information as possible, but I think with the reality of folks in this industry is they're they're busy running their business, not necessarily analyzing it um especially on the rental side like they're you know wearing many many hats it's kind of comes down to like i want all the information but only tell me what i need to know um Mm -hmm. which is a very large but exciting challenge from a product uh development end um and sort of a data visualization that all that information needs to be there and we need to pull it in but presenting it in a way that someone can you know take a look at their phone and get an understanding of their full operation, whether that's 50 units or 
300 units. Agreed. Yeah, the, the simplification of that that data is what really would allow us to shine. And that's where you're able to differentiate yourselves. How do you provide the most simple, the simplest representation of it, but the most actionable um, and the most important metrics without having them have to spend the time to sift through that data. Uh, and, you know, your intention is to create ease of use as opposed to create a more cumbersome process. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, let's kick things off with a little bit about who you are and what you do at Frenter. Chadwick, we'll start with you. Yep, I'm the principal product designer at Frenter. So I work on anything from the website design to the product design, um, anything design related, really. Um, I have a background in industrial design. I came from manufacturing and then I moved into UX UI design and I've kind of always been interested in the user experience and I kind of led myself into this industry. Um, and yeah, found myself at Frenter. Awesome. And Arpit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm the product lead at Frenter, so uh, I'm sort of responsible for all product and tech-related things. Uh, you know, this involves uh, the, the roadmap that we take in terms of our product strategy, um, and then, you know, specifically how, that, how we convert that into our development sprints and actually give, um, give a usable product to our users and, 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 and making sure it's serving their purpose. Great. And that is a perfect segue. And the first thing I want to talk about. Uh, so chatted with Joey, our VP of Business Devel Development, uh, with regards to the extensive discovery process um, him and the sales team did. Uh, honestly, before we ever got to a point of developing anything. Um, but what goes into, I guess, that, that process from translating discovery and conversations with, ideally, our end state customers and turning that into an actual piece of software? Uh, it's a good question. Um, a lot of it's just looking at any pain points that are involved. So in a lot of those calls, there was a bunch, of, uh, everyone said different things on what they felt. Um, it's kind of like taking all that information, distilling it down to what are the core problems and how can we solve them. Um, a lot of times in design, we kind of focus on the customer doesn't know what they want necessarily, or they don't know what's possible when they're in this space. So it's more of like taking less directly taking those problems and trying to solve an issue. It's more of what are the overall kind of like ideas of the problem? What are the, what's causing the problem? How are they getting there? How can we we can redesign it so that we can create a solution that will be something that solves the problems they currently have, but also becomes something that's even bigger than just that. Arpit, anything you'd want to add to that? Yeah, just um, as, as Sadrick mentioned, sort of just building on it, we, we really just try to focus on the problems the user mentioned through that discovery process. Uh, and then, you know, bring it back to what, what we do best um, and, you know, what our strengths are, uh, not just in, in terms of like product and tech, but, uh, you know, what, what, the, what the market also sees uh, as, as, you know, gaps and opportunities. And we try to uh, essentially, you know, find that, that overlap uh, between all of these different uh, segments and uh, like everything obviously needs to be technologically feasible. But yeah, w once we kind of find what that overlap is, uh, that's what we go after. Um, and, you know, try to give our customers the the, the best user flow um, and, and, you know, simple process in, in terms of uh, solution that we're developing. So. And, and yeah, I think like Chadwick, you touched on a, a bit of kind of taking that information or, or kind of wants or pain points from customer, um, users and then translating that a bit into like a step further what's possible or here's maybe another way to uh, to address that um i think a big strength and also a, a big reason we have our, our dev team and um like product team in-house is to not just like outsource and say hey build me this end state product invest several hundred thousand dollars 
and then all of a sudden try and sell it. Um, can you maybe chat through a bit more of like the phased approach um, to product development of saying like, hey, here's some pain points that are huge and might take, you know, months, if not years of iterations to get to versus, hey, here's some pain points that we can probably spin up pretty quickly. And I guess the balance between, yeah, those kind of quote unquote quick wins, um, but also building like a product that drives value kind of across the organization. Yeah, I could start with that. Um, yeah, it's very, uh, I think a lot of it is focused on what is what is our core customer basis and what do they find to be the biggest problems? Because yeah, you can, ideally you want to jump 10 years in advance and have this amazing product that is, you know, super, super uh, advanced. But when you're starting from scratch um, and you have such a big blue sky kind of viewpoint where there's so many different ideas, there's so many different features and cool stuff we could do. It's more going breaking it down to what's our, our timeline, what can we actually develop, and how can we maximize the usefulness of this product in that space. Uh, everything we do is kind of customer focused. So, like, what is the user doing? What are they? Um, anything from like how are they moving through the software to what kind of features do we provide to them to the quality and and ease of use and that kind of stuff. So everything kind of is driven from them. Uh, so yeah, when we're picking stuff, it's usually if we have let's say ten features which features are going to be the most useful off the bat and which ones can then we subsequently update with uh, future updates. Let's say we had an update every four months or something, which ones are going to lead to the most useful product in the uh, nearest future. Uh, so that's usually how we kind of approach it, I would say. Yeah, I can, uh, I can add on to that. One, one other component is uh, what we sort of, you know, look, look for is, um, is what we call that that delight moment or that delight factor, um, you know, when the customer sort of sees that, oh yes, this this does solve you know the problem that I was having, um, and so it's it's always a trade off between you know what what some of those biggest problems are and how long uh, they, they they take to really develop and and you know provide that to the customer, but uh, that that doesn't also mean that you know just because we can solve um, some smaller problems at first that you know, the customer is willing to pay for, for those problems. So uh, ultimately, you know, as a business, uh, a lot of it also stems from the fact that what are those those subset of problems that the customer is willing to pay for and, and really cares to solve. And then, um, and then you know, finding the right timeline for, for development and, uh, you know, best use of our resources accordingly. I think early um, in kind of when we made the shift away from kind of uh, purely like a, traditional rental management platform. I think a big part of discovery was one of our customers kind of was going on. It's like, okay, yeah, I need a system that just lets me know when stuff is in my lot, lets me know when it's out on job site, lets me know when it's available without having to like look around. And we're like, yeah, there's probably a way you could build that into a traditional rental management system, or you could just use GPS to automate a lot of those things. And I think Chad, with your, your point of like, sometimes not the customers kind of not blinders, but like they're very much in their industry. They know kind of what the day to day is. They, they know kind of what their pain points are and they've heard what technologies can and can't do. Um, I think that's, you know, as a software company where we can add value somewhere is like, yeah, but here's a, a way that with your knowledge of the industry, um, we can address it. And then obviously going through the testing process, making sure that that does in fact, you know, solve their need um but yeah or you kind of mentioned um i guess that balance of like everything's you could technically 
build everything and anything for for everyone um is there i guess an approach to structuring that in a way maybe that like we don't build a feature that is then dependent on something that we probably should have built first or like how do you kind of start structuring the logic of the the development roadmap to you know start getting to those like delight moments but yeah I guess building on those delightful moments to that end state versus delivering something that they're like, oh, this would be great if I had this other feature that might be coming later. Right. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it does uh, come down to like how 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 the research that we do is you know organized and, and compiled. Um, users uh, users give you information in, in in a lot of different ways and uh, through a lot of different departments in, in, in a company as well, you know, there's information that that comes through marketing, through sales, uh, through other channels. Um, and so, yes, you know, the, the process itself is subjective. There's, um, you know, you don't necessarily come out of at the end of it with, uh, with you know, a quantifiable uh, metric saying, oh, you know, this feature clearly wins um, and, and is the best. Um, you know, a lot of it is subjective based on how the customers describe their problems and um, you know what it really does enable them to do, um, but it it is essentially you know taking all of these different research metrics that we have, customer interviews, uh, uh, you know market reports, um, and then also how customers are using our our product in real time, um, and then then putting it together to say okay you know these are um, these are where sort of the the delight moments are. Um, and then you know we we kind of use that to structure the roadmap. Um, and then in, in in terms of you know feasibility, obviously if certain features are dependent on others, then it's it's on us to essentially see how that would um, stand from from a development uh, roadmap perspective. Because obviously that that's something the customer doesn't know about. So so you know that's that's where we come in as as an in-house team and um, decide that okay if this this feature is important, but you know if we need to make um, two other features to make it work, then, you know, for the MVP, it's it's better to work on this other feature that the customer cares about because, you know, we can give, we can solve that problem quickly and, and give them the delight moment and um, set us up for uh, this, you know, other feature that, that is bigger for them in, in the future. No, sorry, I, I was just saying, and, and, and a lot of companies have, have different approaches based on, you know, what works for them. Uh, this is, uh, you know, what, what I've seen work for, uh, products I've developed in the past, and you know, also what we've seen success with that at Frontier. Yeah, for sure. And features are definitely uh, features are usually like the catalyst to carry out a problem. So sometimes, like if a feature can't be done because of time constraints, or you know, you have to build a few other features to make it work, a lot of times that problem can still be solved in just a different way. So I think that's where keeping like the user's experience kind of at the center of it and also like the limitations of technological stuff or maybe shifting in business focus or customer basis or whatever it is, there's still that core problems that we're solving and those can be solved in a variety of ways. You know, there might be one that's not so elegant in the back end, but we can make it look, you know, super smooth and clean in the front end. Um, and as long as it's working, it it's not necessarily dependent on which features, it's more of dependent on like how's user experiencing it. Um, so yeah, I think that's where the putting customers in the front really helps kind of guide which features come first, which features are redeveloped or or so on. And that's a perfect segue into kind of chatting about the user experience, because obviously with uh, equipment rental companies and kind of 
like heavy equipment operators, et cetera, the people that kind of we're building a product to benefit, more often than not, their ability to be in front of a screen is pretty limited. Like we're kind of working at a computer pretty much day in and day out. There's some technology that I'll use for eight hours a day. Um, those ones, you know, I'm in the weeds with it. What goes into, I guess, the considerations on like the user experience front when building out a software that you kind of got to deliver that value in those moments when someone has the time to to do it. So if a rental manager is, you know, wearing a dozen different hats, as most of them them are, how do you build out a product that they say, okay, I need to check out, uh, check on my fleet, or I need this information that is, yeah, is able to drive that value in kind of those moments versus an extended period. I think that's really uh, learning from them what is their biggest issues. Um, and doing like those, whether it's just interviews or discovery calls or product walkthroughs and seeing how they react to stuff, figuring out what is the biggest issues on their end, because obviously I've never worked in a rental management company uh, before, so I don't know what it's like to be a rental manager, but leaning on them and their experience and their challenges, that's where you can really start um, finding solutions. I think the biggest challenge though is when you're building a software that so many different types of people are using, um, finding a way to allow them to customize it to their workflows and still be something that's simple and straightforward because um, you don't want to necessarily like push them into one direction where they can only work in one way because now that might mess up the rest of their uh, functioning as a business. So trying to find that balance of we will get you from point A to point B, you can customize it along the way, but here's the best path and giving them that ability. Um, and a lot of that's just testing, seeing how users experience it, seeing how they use it, what do they find was, you know, good or not, or, you know, we might design a feature and they look at it and they're like, we would never use it. That's useless. But for us, it makes sense. So we're like, okay, maybe we just repackage it or we redevelop it. And I think that's where leaning on the user and the actual seeing how they use the product is, uh, is really valuable because, uh, they know, they know their problems the best. We may know uh, the technology and the solution the best, but they definitely know what issues are, are in the forefront. Yeah. I didn't do that. Um, you know, we, when, whenever we're, we're adding any sort of new, you know, user story or feature, we, we always consider the different uh, personas that will be um, using that functionality and, and sort of design um, the, the user flow and the different touch points the user will have based on their persona. So if we know, you know, they'll be on the go, it means, you know, we, 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 we probably need to have a mobile version for them to access accordingly um, or, um, you know, if, if they don't really need to use the software, if they just need updates, then, you know, we should have email notifications going. So these are, you know, individual things that we do consider. Um, and that sort of plays a big factor in how, how we design it for those different personas. Um, but then also uh, being also having the, the flexibility that, you know, they they can use it according to how, how they want. Um, and so just making it intuitively um, easy to use uh, and that's essentially what Chadwick said, you know, constantly um, through analytics, you know, watching how these customers use our software and then making the process easier, um, no matter like what, what flow they're going after. Yeah. And I think with our, our, our positioning and where Frenter's at and, and you know, what, whatever, this is a shameless, shameless plug. This is the one episode I get to do it on. Um, I think a big space where we bring a lot of value to the industry is that 
speed and like a bit iteration. Um, I think a, a big focus is on kind of learning and kind of gaining those those insights as we build out through the various kind of phases of development. Um, you know, some companies, you know, you get so big that it's like, hey, here's our big feature release for this quarter. You can now make the buttons a different shade of blue. And like that maybe took their dev time, their team that entire time because there's so much kind of technology that goes into these things. Whereas I think we can we can push pretty significant changes based on that feedback and chat with you at a perfect time. It's like, sometimes we get it wrong. And I think you, the ability to say, okay, cool. Yep. He heard, we'll kind of revert that, but we still can take this tech and implement it somewhere or implement it in the back end. So it's like, it still does what we think is super valuable for you, but it's no longer in your face. And then if you need it further down the journey, um, it is there. Um, one other aside, have either of you from the product side ever heard like this, um, the quote, like sometimes you have to shave a yacht to paint a house? No. Okay, no. good. Because <laughs> it came to mind. Um, and then I was like, that might be an insane thing to bring up. And the, basically it's to the point of like, you have to build, th sometimes you have to like shave a yacht to get the hair, to make the paintbrush. To, to, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to start at the very beginning. Uh, and I was about to say it and I'm like that, feels like a wild thing that you had i would have been excited <laughs> if you had heard it and i wasn't alone but apparently that's just where i am um yeah so i don't know uh arpit or chadwick whoever makes more sense to share their screen and kind of do the walkthrough um i would say the sweet spot would be kind of like that under 10 minute like 10 minute at an upper end but probably like seven minute like an overview of the product um i can do a quick little intro once you got it up if that works um yeah i think i think i guess Chadwick can go over it uh and then i can pitch in with any points necessary cool um yeah i think we've kind of talked about discovery and how discovery translates into the the software uh enough i'd be great to show a bit about what we've built and some of the cool things that are going on in the Frenter platform. So Chadwick, take it away. Yep. Sounds good. So um, the main focus is on the MVP, our overall asset man management GPS, our GPS center and the logistics manager. Um, these features, let me just skip over to GPS. So for the GPS manager, it's really focused on knowing where all of your equipment is, um, at a glance, so everything from seeing which sites they're on to seeing what contracts are connected to, to seeing what they're doing and the activity logs and stuff like that. It's really focused on allowing you in a few clicks to see where everything is, if there's any issue um, and how it's being used. So we have, we broke it up into different sections. We have like our sites, our equipment and our delivery. Um, each one's kind of focusing on different aspects of um, the GPS center. So on the sites, you'll see where all the sites are. You can see the little numbers um, showing how much equipment's there. For the equipment, you can just see like a scattered map of where all your equipment is. If you select a piece of equipment, it will see like a little card with information on what it's doing, um, who's it being rented to. And then for the delivery, you can see where the product, where your shipment is heading, uh, which directions it could be taking, just in a, in a way to help you be able to track everything um, and see everything within at least three or uh, two or three clicks. So you can see here, we have like our uh, geofence. So that's kind of like the core of how we track where everything is, is our geofence sites. So if a piece of equipment leaves the site, we'll alert you, we'll let you know. Um, and that just kind of helps you, uh, Frenter almost function as like the backend assistant that's just letting you know when something may go wrong or something 
may not be uh, what it should be. For the logistics manager, this kind of just helps you organize and optimize your fleet usage. So you can see either from sites or contracts or your equipment, how how much of your uh, fleet you're using at once. And when you're you know creating new, um, new contracts, you can see what equipment's available. Um, just kind of helps you optimize your entire uh, your entire uh, workflow it's broken up into three different views you have your list view your kanban view and then your calendar view uh, list view is kind of just like a full list of all the contracts whether it's archived or active um, and then you have your kanban which kind of helps you organize um, which states the contracts are in and then you have your calendar view which is shows you from like a timeline view you can scroll in as far as possible or you can go in as you know up to a week uh, and then you can kind of just organize everything in, uh, and optimize your, your workflow. Anything you want to add, Arpit? Um, yeah, so I, you know, I think, I think it's important to sort of connect how, how, how we, um, you know, decided to, to build it the, the way we did, <clears throat> um, from, from a discovery process, um, uh, as, as you sort of mentioned, Sean. Um, and so I think, I think, you know, one of the key differentiators, um, with what Frenter is doing is, uh, that there are many rental management software out there where you can you know simply manually create different contracts um and you know whenever uh, you're checking in or checking out a certain piece of equipment you can you know fill in everything and 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 essentially it's it's it's, it's kind of like a glorified you know excel spreadsheet um the other is you know there's a, a bunch of gps softwares out there where you can simply you know track what your equipment is uh, where your equipment is at that current moment um, and so, you know, where Frender really comes in is in the discovery process, we heard from these rental businesses that, you know, they, they have these two pieces of software, but they don't want to use two different pieces of software. They, they want a single software, which, you know, compiles not only both information, but, uh, because now, you know, we have this, uh, additional information and data that we're collecting, we can, uh, also automate all of these manual processes that, that really make our, uh, user experience, you know, much simpler to the other. Uh, competitors that we have, um, and so it's essentially you know using all of this GPS data that we collect uh, to automate the the rental management software, where you can you know automatically check in and check out equipment and um, and 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 fill in their rental summaries um, with the data that we collect during the contract period. Uh, and so yeah, I think I think you know that's not only a big differentiator, but also kind of highlights how we use uh, these insights that we collect uh, during discovery to to make our decisions. Uh, and then from from here, it's it's more of an iterative process. So you know, once we have this, we uh, we take it back to our customers, get their feedback, and um, you know, constantly iterate more towards product market fit. For sure. And also, I think once we're kind of in that space, that's where a lot of the uh, potential future opportunities arise, where we can see, hey, we're tracking the GPS, where we know where all of your contracts are, we know where everything is. There's a lot of room for potential new features and new problems. And as customers use it and we see their feedback, that's where it kind of like guides where we go from here. Um, and because uh, we kind of situated ourselves in a specific in a specific uh, solution, um, like the logistics and uh, optimizing your fleet and knowing where your equipment is, what can happen from there is really based off of what technology and data we have available and, and how customers are going to use it. Awesome. Well, greatly appreciate both your time for kind of walking through it and walking through the the product. And yeah, I mean that's that's about it. We'll wrap it up there. Cool. Um, 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Roger That Podcast presented by Frenter. Frenter is a all-in-one asset management solution for heavy equipment. Frenter helps you secure and optimize your fleet without robbing you of your precious time. For more information, visit us at frenter.com. That's F-R-E-N-T-E-R.com. Thank you.